0: Yes.
1: Anybody else ready to punch somebody after this? No. Uh, No? No, we're not advocating violence, but, man, some of them can be infuriating, right? All right, so they jump into this idea of hell, right, that uh, God sends us to hell. Can I just say God does not send you to hell? Amen? amen? Thank you. We send our It's our sin that sends us to hell. Amen? So I just want to make sure that's clear because that's, man,
2: All right, I'm going to get into that in one second, but I just want to put this out there because I've had the benefit of watching this segment seven, eight, nine times, so some of my visceral reactions were not as extreme, and I was able to be more analytical. If you've just watched this and you're thinking, like, what the heck are these guys talking about? What is all this nonsense, this jargon, this mumbo-jumbo, theist, pantheist, perennialism, panentheism, All that nonsense. Let me just encourage you. You're not alone in that. Okay? All of the best lies are developed from some idea of truth. So what they've done is take a baseline of truth and then blow it out. And they use very sophisticated words to convince you that they know what they're talking about. So let me give you one clear indicator that someone is about to give you false doctrine. If they're sitting with Oprah and she endorses their doctrine, then now that is a right now statement. If something changes and Oprah changes her views and comes out publicly, it is not beyond God's power to bring her home if she will have a submitted heart. But as it stands right now, if somebody is on the stage with Oprah and they are in communion and agreement there's false doctrine coming out, okay? Regardless of the fancy words they use, no matter how they dress the pig, it's still a pig. Okay, so moving into the idea of hell, what I would like to do is go back to the beginning, and I've referenced this several times with Russell Berger and Bart Kampalo and how they run parallel from, with each other, and they deal with the same struggles and come to different conclusions, Bart was raised in church. His father, a very prominent and popular evangelist.
1: Who's very into New Age.
2: Very, in- okay, so, yeah.
1: That explains a-, a lot about him, if you understand his father. You you typically heard little clips on the radio in regards to him, and they sounded good, but he's very much into New Age. If you're reading of his old books, you'll see that.
2: So Bart comes up in church, but he says he doesn't believe in God. Russell just... Says, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. He stands on that. In the first segment, we see they come to where they are struggling with sexual immorality. Russell says, you know, it just feels wrong that these people I know and care about are under judgment. And Bart has the same conclusion or same idea. It feels wrong. Russell comes to the conclusion that I can't trust my feelings because feelings led me into atheism and I stayed under condemnation for that long time, Bart says the Bible must be wrong. So you see how it doesn't matter where you're raised. It matters that you come before God with a submitted heart, that you are searching his word so that you will learn the truth, not that you can invent the truth or manipulate the word to fit the truth you've already invented. In the second segment, we see that they both deal with suffering. Bart is an inner city minister, and he says, I've seen too much suffering to believe in a sovereign God. So again, he lands on rejection. God is wrong. God is wrong in the Bible. God is not sovereign. He can't be in control of this because I see suffering. Russell and his family have gone through suffering, intense suffering, a genetic disorder that is present in the wife and the daughter. And he stands there and says calmly and articulately that if I could change that, I would not because God has made his sovereignty known through our suffering. We were lost in our own way. I was an atheist. She was into New Age, had created her own God in her mind. And this suffering has recentered us. So the destruction of the flesh is good for the preservation of my spirit. I w- my eternity is secure now because of this suffering. So if you do not seek the truth, God is going to turn you over. To foolish thinking. That is right out of Romans 1. So now they both are dealing with the doctrine of hell. They're struggling with the doctrine of hell. Bart mocks God. His judgment he finds to be immoral because he's seen too many good people die without accepting Christ. And he mocks the, the doctrine that we believe in, that Christ is the only way, that if you do not have, have accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you stand judged. Well in Mark ten, seventeen through eighteen, it says, as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him, Jesus, and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Now, if Jesus says that about himself, then I offer to you my position, that I cannot say that anyone is good because of what I know about them. I cannot declare them too good to be under God's judgment. I am infallible, but that's what Bart has done. He's seen too many good people. He is approving of these people, and they're outside of the Christian faith, and so he struggles with hell. He says he transitioned to universalism. He ends up landing as a human secularist, but for a while he was in universalism. Everyone's received regardless of their acceptance of Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Well, at that point, just throw your Bible away. Like, really, you do not, that's not a real, that's, what's the, point? what's the point at that point? Uh, it, it, God would have to save Mahatma Gandhi in his mind to be a moral and just God
1: hang on, on that point, as though Muhammad is the, or the, uh, Gandhi is the highest of, inte- of integrity, like he is the highest point of piety. Now, I don't know if you know about him, but this is the guy who slept with his nieces. He preached that everybody else shouldn't, but he has had multiple affairs. This is the guy who drove his son away because of his attitude, and he is the height of piety, like he, hell's not for him.
0: Well, the, the symmetry, you have to remember when you're developing theology there has to be a concurrent continuous seamless interweaving that doesn't contradict well the bible said there's none righteous mm-hmm. no not one so when you say well i know too many good people no the truth is that our best goodness is as filthy rags but if i don't have that other knowledge i say well You know, Mother Teresa or someone, a humanitarian that did good deeds. Doing good deeds and being a righteous person are two different things. Now, I want to back up, if we will, about this, the concept of hell. And it's so much broader than the time that we have. But being that none of the authors ever went to hell, (laughs) none of the authors of the Bible had ever went to hell, how do we know what hell is? The Holy Spirit moved upon men and they chronicled for God. And Jesus told the story of a rich man being in hell in torment. So much so that he asked, see, before Jesus Christ died and went into the lower parts of the earth and gathered all the Old Testament saints together and took them with him, To heaven, that's what paradise was when he told the thief, today you'll be with me in paradise. Upper Sheol, upper Hades. And the rich man could see over and see Lazarus. But on his end, the Bible said there was a great gulf fixed between them. And he said, would you have him just dip his finger in a little bit of water to cool my tongue because I am tortured in this flame. The Bible speaks of hell's permanence. The inescapableness of it. There's no way to travel from here to there. And in the very end, hell being thrown into a lake of fire. And the smoke of their torment ascends up forever and ever. They incorrectly said that the gospel is that God is sending people to hell. No. The gospel is that we are unrighteous and we're dead in our trespasses and sin. And the result of that sin is death, physical and spiritual but god who is rich in mercy and in his loving kindness prepared a way for the penalty to be paid they despise the idea of a penalty to be paid the 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 uh, atonement atonement that phrase atonement that is a description of what happens after atonement has been made the payment of our penalty Christ died for the ungodly. And when God accepted that payment, now there's a union. There's an at one But anything that goes even near uh, a presentation of the gospel or a doctrine, that Christ was not necessary, that Come Christ on. was not sufficient, that Christ was not perfect, wait now, and that Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection was not complete, yeah. that falls into heresy. So hell was created for Satan and his angels, but it's also a holding place for all who die in their own unrighteousness. I have had to answer the question. They say, what kind of God would send somebody to hell? I say, the same kind of God that would send his son to die in our place so I didn't have to go there. That's the answer for me. And if you think the wrath of hell is unjust, look at the cross. When Christ became sin for us, and they beat him beyond recognition. That happened because when our sin was placed upon him, God's wrath fell upon him. Well, I just, that, there's the, that's the you know, Old Testament God. I don't, well, when Christ comes back to tread the winepress of his wrath, Revelation says, upon the armies of this world, governed by the geopolitical figure of the Antichrist, at the Battle of Armageddon, blood will run bridle high to a horse for 200 miles. That's, that's, that's horrible. So the point of the gospel is not hell. But you must have an understanding of that to motivate you to share the gospel with other people. Amen. Amen. The illusionist from Penn and Teller said, how much do you have to hate me? Not to, and he's an atheist. For you not to tell me the gospel if you believe I'm going to hell. That's a sobering question in and of itself.
2: And that brings us right to where Russell lands when we're comparing how Bart and Russell deal with this doctrine of hell. Russell says, uh, okay, so I can't trust my feelings. Uh, Suffering brings me closer to God. And when I read Scripture, it is an unavoidable conclusion that Jesus is the only way to be saved. Now, this man is coming out of atheism. And then you have the one that's coming out of church that's losing his faith, that says, just create your own God. Just imagine it. And if you could imagine one better than the God of the Bible, just trade up. up. As as if it was like a Pokemon card or something, you know? (laughs) Like, what, what the heck are you talking about? If I can imagine it, the Bible makes it clear for me. If I can imagine it, it is not the things of God. It says, I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, nor hath it entered into the heart of man
0: imagine a better God? There's, there's a subtlety behind it though. Uh, in the, the spiritual gift, discerning of spirits, uh, it's not just recognizing something that's evil. It's tracing something back to the origin of it. Where did, where did that originate? And you understand when someone says there's not a hell. And Jesus said there was a rich man and Lazarus who were in hell. And there was a conversation that went on. What they've said is, That he's a liar. So when you have a theologian whose foundation is God is a liar. God is a manipulator. These things aren't real. Do you understand? That's like that uh, antifreeze pie that looks like a key lime pie. And they say, it's pie. It's just like. Okay? More subtle than the doctrines is when you contradict God and God says I'm the Lord I change not and we say yes he does he's been evolving ever since the beginning of time that right there should let you know it's 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 the it's the attack of the dignity the character and the holiness of God Satan's first words to Eve were did God really say that did God really say that and we're doing that today and our answer should be yes he did I had one guy tell me one time when I talked to him about hell, he said, your God sounds like my devil. And I said, well, he's my God and he's righteous and he loves you and cares for you. So we can't, we have to understand the origin of it. Anything that comes against, contradicts, dilutes, pollutes, add to what God has said originates with the father of lies.
2: And that's where Russell's going with this, right, in today's culture, it's the ultimate blasphemy in this pluralistic world, this anti-confrontation society, is to say that someone that doesn't come to Christ stands condemned. And if we take Scripture seriously, then that is what we believe in. That is why we have to evangelize. That is why we proselyze. That is why we share the gospel, because how will they know if they don't hear, and how will they hear if no one's telling them? And that's what the conflict he faced with his wife. His wife says, when Russell wanted to go to church, I was mad because I'm spiritual. I'm not religious. I've created in my mind and traded up. I have this Zen Buddha Jesus character that I worship. And Old Testament, God is angry. And then he had a kid and chilled out a bit. And the New Testament, God is nice. And, And I didn't want to give that up. And I knew that when my husband says, let's go to church, if I get into the word of God, I'm not going to be able to stay in this place. I'm going to have to confront this. I'm going to have to destroy this God that I have set up as an idol in my life. The unbelieving world hates to hear from someone that they are under judgment. And and that's because they're too proud. I'm proud. You can't judge me. You can't judge me. And in humility and in love, we share the truth that hell is real, that Jesus spoke about it more than anybody else in the New Testament, that it is imperative, imperative, church family, that we are in the word of God, that we know what we believe. Because I can stand across or sit across the table from any of those guys using hyped up language and say, no, that's not right. I might not be able to match you with degrees on the walls behind me, and I might not be able to articulate as well as you can because you've spent 30 years developing this heretical doctrine. But I can stand here and tell you that I'm a believer in the Word of God, and the things you're saying don't line up with the Word of God, and I will always put my faith in the Word of God before I do any man.
1: Now, hopefully, as you sit there and you've watched this, there's been moments that you've kind of, it's just when they say something, you just stir. You may not know how to articulate, as other people, what's wrong with it, but it stirs in you, and the Holy Spirit will quicken you. Some of you may wonder, how do we? gets on TV and takes the story of David and relates David to you as though you need to go out and conquer your your, your demons or your giants, when the story is clearly a typology of Christ who takes on our greatest enemy, the devil, and death, and sin, and defeats him, where the story elevates us other than Christ, that's wrong. Christ is the one who is our champion, and there's this cosmic Christ that comes into play. I'm going to back you up on this a little bit, because Roar seems to have this great new evidence, which is not new. He so got Jesus it from someone else. and
0: Christ are two different people, according to him.
1: Yeah, and Jesus means the Lord saves. So I don't know how you even use that word and you don't even know what it means, because what have we got to be saved for if he's not a savior, right?
0: There's no penalty to be paid. There yeah. is no atonement necessary.
2: There's only a union p- to be named That's or a union to be made. So just so everybody's clear, <laughs> I did not come into this thinking any of you thought Christ was Jesus's last name. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Amen. But he gets this idea. This idea, I think, traces back to 1981. This comes from a Satanist. So I want you to, he says this, any old Christ will not do If we need to show that we have something better than the mainstream Christian tradition, it must be a cosmic Christ, a universal Christ, a new age Christ. This guy would say that Lucifer, the anger of man's evolution, so not a real thing. Now, this is a whole contradictory statement, which is weird, but Lucifer, who's just an imagination, his evolution of thinking, is leading man to cosmic consciousness and Godhead. When the Christ appears, now catch this, and this is where this really hits home, and this is why this is dangerous. When the Christ appears, this will be the Antichrist is what he's talking about, we will recognize our own divinity because he is a prototype of what we can be. This is why many people will be deceived in the end times, because you're set up to believe that you are going to be like God. You will be a little God. That when the Antichrist appears, he appears so that you can be like him. Um, man, this reminds me of a Rob Bell teaching we talked about where he is seeing, he's talking about the story of Peter in the boat and Jesus walks on the water. And the whole narrative of his story is that Jesus looks to Peter and says, come on, walk out on the water, meaning come be like me, come do what I do, come be a God like me. And this is not the narrative of
0: the story. No. Should I keep on? No, it is not. Okay. Yeah. I, I feel was, like I, I could just keep, about man.
2: Else. I, I got something for you. Okay. So, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so they stand up this cosmic Christ, and, and we see Richard Rohr has a heavy impact on a lot of people that are pe- preaching false doctrine. And the Deconstructionist podcast, the two guys that sit across from each other, uh, one says, I cannot know if Christianity is exclusive because I've seen too much truth and beauty in other religions. And then he goes on to say something that would seem to undermine that statement. <laughs> the world's religions have great contradictions when you compare them to the, each other. And, of course, not all of them can be right. And he says, but I'm not sure if being right is really the question. That's not important to me anyway right now. So, what? <laughs> That, so this is what happens when you've set yourself up to deny Christ no matter what. This, this is what happens when, if I sat down with those two guys and I said, if I could remove all doubt that you have, I could empirically explain and deal with every doubt that you have and show you beyond a shadow of a doubt to your satisfaction that Christianity was exclusive, that Christ was the only way to salvation, and that, that God is God of the Bible, not what you think up they would look at me and say, no, why, why am I confident in that? Because it's not a proof issue for them. It is a heart issue. They have rejected the truth and been turned over to their foolish thinking. They're greatly deceived. He says, well, this is just where I find myself. I'm in the Christian tradition. So they use these words that, that confuse me because I'm not in a Christian tradition. I am in direct relationship with God because I have been justified and restored and stand righteous because when God looks at me, he sees me through the filter of the spilt blood of his son, Jesus Christ. I have been reconciled. I am not in a a tradition. I am in direct relationship with Jesus Christ.
0: Amen. There you go. So, in the spirit of this age... It's funny that they're confused about what are sins, okay? Fornication is not sin. Adultery is not sin. Pride is not sin. Greed is good. Greed is not sin. Lust is not sin. Immorality is not sin. Lying is not sin, unless, you know, because it profits you. But intolerance is sin. So if I trace the origin back to that, why would the devil push that to the surface? Because... The world, we all want to be accepted. We all want to be a part. And the Christian, you've seen those bumper stickers, coexist with all the religions. And uh, Rick Warren, who wrote The Purpose Driven Life years ago, you know, he is very much a proponent of Chrislam, half Christian, half Islam, and coexist. I'm not turning my back on what I believe to embrace you. Well, Christ says, he that's not with me, Is against me. There's your dualistic. He that does not gather with me scatters abroad. What fellowship hath light with darkness? Why is it incumbent upon us to stand apart, to stand up and speak? Why is that the essential element? Because if we blend, there remaineth no more of a pathway for people to be saved and forgiven. If I add any other religion, Protestant, Catholic, any priest, any bishop, if I dilute it with any uh, underminings, any erosion, where Christ was not sinless, Christ was not perfect, Christ was not absolute, Christ did not die, his blood was not in the heavenly tabernacle, if you remove any of that, See, then the, the uh, sacrifice is of no effect. How can I coexist with you when all of your religions are your approach to God and mine was God's rescue of me? I am not progress like the progressive church, okay? Progressing from what? The emergent church. Emerging from what? And they, if they were honest, they would say, from the darkness of your faith to light, the new light. I'm progressing from a God-centered faith to a man-centered faith. But we go with Christ outside the camp bearing his reproach, saying there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And contrary to what is said, I do not hate someone because I tell you that that belief system is wrong. I have gambled my soul on the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And I cannot associate with your efforts of salvation because God told us how to be saved. Not me decide. Well, I think if I did this, I ought to be saved. That's why it's important that we're this tolerant. You won't see me sharing a stage with them. You won't see me sit on the stage if they're telling you all roads lead to Jesus. That's my exit. Are all roads lead to God. And you've heard me say this many times before. This is a common sense thing. All roads lead to Florida. Yes, praise the Lord. 75 North. Yes, I believe it. And everybody believes it. And you go, no, it doesn't. Why are you so judgmental? Just 75 North doesn't go to Florida. Bigot? 285. 285, yeah. <laughs> Leads to, no, no, it doesn't. Who made you judge? I just, just 75 doesn't go to 75 north, doesn't go to Florida. That's all I'm saying. We have to be okay with the reproach. If they called the master of the house Christ Beelzebub, don't you think they're gonna call you something? Amen. Amen. I wanna, I wanna, you know, we only have a few more minutes. We're gonna, about 10 more minutes here. We're going go a little over. If you tell our children's church about 10 more minutes, I'm gonna let this word linger over you, okay? Jesus said, He that would be ashamed of me. And my words, and my words. Most believers that I know, their temptation is not to be ashamed of the person of Jesus Christ. But they are ashamed and quiet about his words. He said, of you will I be ashamed in that day when I come with my glory and the holy angels. There is a stigma, there is a reproach, uh, a, a hatred, an opposition an alienation of those that stand up for his words. And we can declare in humility, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I have to stand. Preachers stand, you know, so.
1: Amen. Uh, and as we, were, as we were talking about this atonement, um, then their wrong use of the word uh, atonement, that... This idea comes from our understanding of, of Christ's propitiation, and this word propitiation. I'll give you a, a clue as to where we get this from, so you understand it. Is that in the um, in the Old Testament they had a thing called a scapegoat. I mean, if you remember, if you've ever heard about this, and so what they w- the priest would do is he would they they would symbolically put the sins upon this goat, and they would send the goat out into the wilderness, and this goat would die in the wilderness alone. And so that there was a scapegoat. Someone else who carried your burden of your sin away from the camp, away from town. And so Jesus becomes our scapegoat in that he carried the burden of our sin, the weight of our sin outside of the camp, outside of town, to pay for it. And we understand and we know this because of the sacrifice that Christ made, him carrying the cross out of town, to the edge of town. Like, he bore it on his shoulders. He bore the weight of this. And it's his atoning blood, the shedding of blood. And then the priest would take the blood under the veil into the Holy of Holies and would sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat. And this is how they would atone for the sins of the people. And when Christ died, he went to the mercy seat of heaven, and he offered his own blood to the Father to cover our sins. And on this statement, they, they make us say, if you could imagine a better God, would you trade up? I can't imagine a better God than one who would send his own son to pay my penalty. The one who would rescue me, who would deliver me from hell, mm-hmm. who would rescue me, who would pay my price. Mm-hmm.
0: And I want to trade up? No, I don't want to trade up. I'm driving a Ferrari. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, guys. Y'all give them a hand this morning, would you? Brooke, if you would come, please. I want to take just a few more minutes, just a couple, before we leave. I try to usually get you out at 1130, but it's just important to finish with this. When this man, Mr. Rohr, said that Christ came into being at creation, the cosmic Christ, the Big Bang, Christ means the anointed one. It means the, the, the one that was set apart, Messiah. Okay? Now listen to this. He is saying that the world is Christ. The divinity of you is Christ. I see Christ in you. Not to fellow believers, but to the world. We're all children of God. Jesus said in the last day, many will come in my name saying, I am Christ. Have you thought of this compared to the new age? So in dual thinking, there will be people that come on the scene claiming to be the historical Christ. And there are people claiming to be this cosmic Christ. Christ dwells in me. And I dwell in him through a divine act of regeneration that was made possible by the blood of Christ. I want to cover this final thing before we dismiss this morning. The inclusion gospel has spread all over the world. The West is being inundated with it now. Many preachers that I knew, I have a buddy of mine, we started off at the same time as youth pastors. And a few years ago, he got sucked into this, Everyone is Saved. Everyone is saved. Jesus reconciled the world to God. I just want to clarify that this statement before I pray over you this morning. Christ's reconciliation of the world put the world in position that whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It wasn't the salvation of every person. It made possible the salvation of of, of the world the gospel is inclusion the bible shows us a picture in heaven it says that I saw people from every tongue, nation kindred and tribe singing praises to the lamb it includes all colors, all ages all abilities all gifting, successful unsuccessful, there was it's, it's an inclusionary net thrown out to the world that says whosoever will Let him drink of the water of life freely. But it is also exclusive. That no man can come to the Father but by me. The historical Jesus Christ of the Bible. We need need to think through this idea of hell. If Christ said it's real, how can we act like it's not? It's not the theme of the gospel, but it is the motivator of the gospel. Our prayers will be intensified. I know I can I can't process how we could send someone to hell. We. But I also have never viewed sin through the eyes of a perfect thrice holy God. And I know this because of the salvation he provided he is good and he is kind and he is merciful. So I, I want to thank you for taking this journey with us. I know it's, it's stretching and difficult but it ought to be encouraging as well. You're in the ark. How many of you heard the door shut behind you and God shut you in? And when the storm of wrath hits this world, we are kept, we are sealed. Would you stand with me this morning? Some of you know this. Some of you may not. I came across it early on in my faith. Uh, don't you love it when you're studying the Bible and you get, I, when, when you get a nugget like something you've never heard somebody else and you oh, don't you just love that? Early on in my faith, I was studying about God's the, uh, the ark and told them how to build it. And there's a place, you go look it up and pull out your concordance and prove me, see if I'm right. It says, and Noah pitched the ark within and without with pitch. So that's kind of a gooey tar substance. So inside and outside, you know, I'd, I'd want it sealed, If you know, flex, flex that, uh, spray or whatever it was called. <laughs> don't believe that boat that was made out of flex seal, don't just... <laughs> not saying any good product but so they pitched it within and without with pitch to keep the water out did you know that word pitch is also translated atonement so what does that mean that in a type God is saying what Jesus did for you keeps all the wrath out of your boat what Christ did for you keeps all the wrath out of your boat, you float safely through it all because of Christ's atonement made for you. Now, atonement is a result; atonement made the result possible. Father, we bless you today. We thank you for the truth of your word. Forever settled in heaven, not one jot or tittle will ever pass away till all things be fulfilled. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock we stand. All other ground, all other religions, all other systems are a sinking sand. Thank you for the security we have in you, O oh Lord. And don't let us be snug in our doctrines. Don't let there be an elitist spirit. May it humble us to no end and may we open our mouths and share the gospel to those that know not. Because Satan hath blinded the eyes of them that do not believe, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. And Lord, may Christ Chapel Macon be sober, active, and effective in the ministry you called us to do. Sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Join us tonight, six o'clock in the grill for a recap of this morning's message.